Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And I hope you'll visit Johnson's Air Conditioning at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of a terrific organization working hard to improve the quality of public education in Florida. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick Stevens will be joining us. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be with us, as well as Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006. He's become a very close friend, and uh, I enjoy our conversations about what's happening in the trenches in healthcare. We'll be talking a little bit about the COVID 19 virus. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is May the 7th, and on this day in 1945, the German High Command and the person of General. Alfred Yodel signed the unconditional surrender of all German forces east and west in northeastern France. At first, he hoped to limit the terms of uh, German surrender to only those forces still fighting in the Western Allies, but uh, General Dwight D. Eisenhower maintained complete surrender of all German forces, those fighting in the east as well as the west. If this demand was not met, Eisenhower was prepared to seal off the western front, preventing Germans from fleeing to the west in order to surrender, thereby leaving them in the hands of the enveloping Soviet forces. Yodo Radio uh, General Admiral Karl Donitz, I'm not kidding, his last name was Donitz, (laughs) uh, Hitler's successor, with the terms, Donitz ordered him to sign. Fighting would still go on in the East for almost another day, but the war in the West was over. Yodel, who was uh, wounded in the assassination attempt on Hitler in 1944, would be found guilty of war crimes, which included the shooting of hostages at Nuremberg and hanged on October the 16th, 1946. It was later granted a pardon posthumously in 1953 after German appeals court found him not guilty of breaking international law. A lot of good it did him at that time, but uh, nevertheless hanged for after his trial at Nuremberg. You may recall on yesterday's show the financial futures were up, but after two positive trading sessions, the Dow was down yesterday by 218, just slipped away at the end of the day. Well, right now the futures are up, but uh, I'm not sure you can make a lot out of that. We've got a big uh, jobs a job, jobs report coming out today, anticipating a reduction in weekly jobless claims. We can only hope so. Right now, I think a lot of investors are hoping for a V-shaped recovery. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, COVID-19 cases in Kyrgyz increased to 677. There's been 115 people who've been hospitalized. 14 of Kyrgyz County's 27 deaths from COVID-19 consist of either residents or staff of long-term care facilities, so uh, over half. Well, we enjoyed a wonderful evening and dining with good friends and good conversation last night at Blue Provence. It was great to be back kind of in uh, in in the mix with our economy as well as enjoying the society of other people. Their staff was all wearing masks, and so they were pleased to see us, especially the owner. Jacques was there, and uh, just uh, his eyes smiling. He was so grateful to see all of us. And while the governor is opening business in Florida based on facts and not fear, communities vary on fear-based rules that they're imposing. Uh, here's a story that uh, I think creates a lot of hope, and uh, I like to think that officials here in Collier County would do the same. Riverside uh, County Sheriff Chad Bianco reaffirmed his stance on not enforcing stringent stay-at-home orders, telling the Riverside County Board of Supervisors this week that he refuses to, quote-unquote, make criminals out of business owners, single moms, and otherwise healthy individuals for exercising their constitutional rights. Eight weeks ago, as officials, including Governor Gavin Newsom, participated in something never done before in our nation's history, he said. Government ordered residents in their homes, closed their businesses, made them wear masks, forbid them from going to church, and eliminated constitutional freedoms put in place over 200 years ago, he explained. In the name of public health crisis, our civil liberties and constitutional protections were placed on hold, he said. Officials, Bianco said, have asked a lot of residents over the last two months as part of a greater effort to flatten the curve and prevent hospitals from being completely overwhelmed by coronavirus patients. It worked, he said. 
And here's some statistics. What uh, isn't being emphasized is that 22,000 of the 4,300 people who have been tested positive have already recovered and returned to work. And what that means is that out of 2.5 million people in Riverside County, we have only 2,300 residents positive with the virus. Statistically, that's less than one-tenth of one percent. I would suggest the number is probably a hundred times that, but uh, irrespective, most of them are, are asymptomatic, I personally believe. Forthcoming decisions from officials should be based on facts and data, or data, not protections and fears. He continued stressing that residents do not need to live in fear and noting that risk remains low for people without serious medical conditions. However, he urged at-risk residents should remain at home. Bianco said he did not enforce the stay-at-home order from the beginning, partly because he trusted our residents' ability to do the right thing without fear of being arrested and emphasized that he continues to hold that position. He went on, I know that we can uh, be trusted to act as responsible adults, and I was correct. As we continue, I reinforce my position. Not only do we not have the resources to enforce unreasonable orders, I refuse to make criminals out of business owners, single moms, and otherwise healthy individuals for exercising their constitutional rights. I believe Riverside County residents are responsible enough to proceed cautiously. Well, I just hope this guy gets in a greater elected office. The or original projections and fears that caused orders to be put in place in the first place, he added, have been proven wrong. There cannot be a new normal, he warned, citing the country's fundamental freedoms of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'd like to think our law enforcement officials here, Sheriff Ryan Bas Bosk and others, would respond in the same way. Of course, when they took office, all elected officials in the United States swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States. I sometimes wonder if many of them read it, but anyhow, it's great to see a few take the oath very seriously. Congratulations, Sheriff Bianco. Just a few other stories about uh, what's happening during the shutdown. We've heard about Dallas hair salon owner Shelley Luther, who was sentenced Tuesday to seven days in jail and fined $7,000 for opening her business, Salon Alamode, to customers last week in defiance of COVID-19 Chinese coronavirus lockdown orders. Now, it turns out uh, these were not orders but guidelines. So the sheriff, uh, the judge didn't care. He just uh, whether the guidelines or rules. Uh, Texas Governor George uh, Greg Abbott is allowing hair salons to open this Friday, but a defiant Luther would not commit to closing her shop until then. He sh she said the judge told Shelley Luther she could avoid jail time if she apologized, admitting she was wrong, and agreeing to close her hair salon until it was allowed to be open. Well, over five hundred thousand dollars has been raised. Uh, on fund a need for through fund a need for the brave Texas salon owner, and uh, of course she's uh, now she's been taken away to jail. Even though they're letting criminals out of jail, Texas uh, Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General uh, Ken Paxson have each released statements calling for the immediate release of Shelley Luther. The Dallas salon owner now has the audacity to open the business. In the statement, Paxson heavily criticizes the judge. He's an Obama devotee. Uh, Eric Moyer, who sentenced Luther to seven days in jail and ordered her to pay fines, thousands in fines. And he goes on. Here's another one. A Minnesota barber who tried to reopen his business during the coronavirus lockdown is now facing up to $25,000 in fines. It's the insanity of the whole thing. And where's the trust for the individuals to make good decisions with regard to their own health and the health of others? And he goes on. Uh, Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo announced Tuesday that his health care workers who voluntarily traveled to New York to help with the coronavirus will have to pay state income taxes on the money they earned. Uh, Cuomo begged American health care workers to travel to New York to fight the outbreak at the hardest hit part of the nation. So thousands of medical workers left their families and traveled to New York, risking getting the virus in order to help others in need. And now Cuomo is taking the money from the volunteer workers because his state has the $13 billion deficit. And of course, what this is all about, he's lobbying for a bailout from the uh, United States government. He's hoping that Nancy Pelosi and her minions will get together and uh, somehow pass a rule, pass a law that will help bail out New York California, Connecticut, uh, New Jersey, you go through the list of states that have not run fiscal responsibility uh, states and uh, the consequences, they have a lot of debt. And uh, Cuomo, for one, is saying, hey, I'd like to 
take advantage of the crisis and get a bailout. Well, I think the president is right. He should help states with the money that has been lost as a result of this pandemic, but not more. Uh, here's a pandemic that gets uh, of epic proportions, in my mind, that gets very little press. The Department of Education released results of the quadrennial National Assessment of Educational Progress Test in the United States History, Civics, Geography, given in 2018, grades 8 students, grade 8 students, NAEP scores decline in geography, U.S. history results, and civics unchanged since 2014. The tests were administered from January to March 2018. A sample of a nationally representative sample of 42,000 eighth graders from about 780 schools only 24% of the students performed at or above the proficient level in civics. Worse yet, only 15% scored proficient or above in American history, and 25% were proficient in geography. At least 25% of America's 8th graders are what NEAEP defines as below basic in U.S. history, civics, and geography. This, this means they have no understanding of historical and civic issues and cannot point out basic locations on a map. Thank you, Common Core and government schools. Right now, I think uh, we're on the right track. Thanks to uh, our next guest. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Pastor Rick Stevens, and, of course, our governor and uh, our uh, uh, Florida education uh his Corcoran is the Commissioner of Education in Florida, doing great jobs. Okay, we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. 
And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He's a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. He and Keith Flaw have done a terrific job, in my view, of being citizen advocates for uh, better education here in Florida. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure indeed, Pastor Rick. Tell us, for our listeners that may not be familiar, about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots organization. We're an alliance of like-minded people. We work together on things related to liberty, and specifically in the last few years, we worked to bring about positive changes in Florida education for our K-12 through students. We think that uh, there are solutions to some of the things people are concerned about, and we focus on that and try to, to work with the Department of Education and the legislature and local situations to help students find their best environment for their education. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'd appreciate it if you could perhaps give us a little laundry list of some of the achievements here in the last couple of years because they are significant. And I think just starting off with the fact that the governor, I think through some of the influence of uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance, on his very first day said we're going to get rid of Common Core. Yeah, we were really amazed by that because we've been working to to get some reform in that for a long time. We first started with the legislature. They didn't want to hear about that. They didn't want to bring up the subject. And that was a kind of a shock to us because lots of other people were concerned about it. Why weren't they? Well, there were a lot of reasons that they weren't. And so we, we began to calibrate our response and work toward how could we bring about some reform. And lo and behold, the governor takes office and announces that Common Core is going to be gone. And uh, we're kind of stunned. We're thinking, well, now what do we do? we got to retool our approach to this, and so we quickly did that, began working with the Department of Education and connecting them with some national authorities on standards and how to write the best standards and what needed to be included and, and how they should work to build on each other from grade to grade so the students had a clear path. And, and we learned that, that standards weren't nearly as mysterious as some people think. They were more like a table of contents for mm -hmm. what the students were going to learn. And so they began to work on that with the Department of Education and our prodding and, and, uh, and support. And lo and behold, the, the standards turned out to be what we were promised all along. And, and believe me, we kept pushing back against that all through the process. Are you sure? But they kept promising these are going to be the best in the nation. And we think they delivered. And we were really pleased to be a part of that and to work with Commissioner Corcoran and his team. It was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, you just can't hardly imagine that. We'd come from a few years before when nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to consider that Common Core was bad until the day when the governor said, it's bad, we're going to get rid of it, and we did. Yeah. It's just remarkable. It is remarkable, and of course you've made great strides in terms of school choice and parental uh, choice, I, sh I should say. Uh, so, I mean, there certainly is a lot on the table left to be working on, nevertheless, but uh, irrespective, you've made just tremendous progress. And again, I'll just remind our listeners, you, the two of you just sat down about eight years ago and said, what are we going to do in order to get some things turned around? And uh, you've had a tremendous impact, and I congratulate you on that. Now, your website is goflca.com, goflca.com. And I encourage our listeners to go there because another thing that you're doing is playing an extremely important role in helping to educate voters on some of the things that are going on. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, that's right. We, we work for education reform, but we also realize that part of that is helping educate people so they'll know the kinds of things our students need to learn and that we as the, the grown-ups will make the kind of decisions that will help our students. And so we've been trying to help people get acquainted with the candidates for various races around the area. And so we've conducted candidate forums for quite some time. We've done some for various offices, school boards, and including probably the most high-profile ones have been for the Congressional District 19 races. And we all know that uh, since Congressman Rooney is not continuing it, to seek re-election, that this is an open seat, and so there's been a lot of attention given to the Congressional District 19 race. So we decided to conduct forums. Well, we decided that before the virus hit, yeah. and all of a sudden, what are we going to do? Well, we didn't quit. And so we conducted an online video forum a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to conduct some more. In fact, uh, the uh, and the you can actually go to goflca.com and, and see the, the forum because if you haven't decided or don't know about the candidates, this is a very important election. We've had, I think, four or five 
congressman in the last uh, 10 years. And there's some good candidates. Uh, I've already announced that my candidate, my, I'm supporting Byron Donalds, but irrespective, you have, may have a different choice. You can find out about these candidates and their positions by going to the website. Now, uh, in fact, uh, I've agreed to be the uh, moderator for a forum coming up for the Collier County Commission candidates. Yes, we're really pleased that you're willing to do that, too. That's going to be great. We try to do it for a variety of offices because the principles involved are the same mm. no matter what the office is. And, and that's one of the things we try to help voters realize is that our, our elected decision makers will decide things that we have no idea are coming before them, but they'll decide that based upon the principles that they have established and that they rely on. And if we can help people understand those those principles and how the various candidates apply them, they can make good decisions. So that's true for all the reasons, and Collier County Commission is no different. We're really pleased to have you join us for that. It's going to be a great, a great forum, and you're going to be one of the great moderators. We've been really pleased with the way our moderators have helped us in these forums. Well, absolutely. Happy to, happy to do it, indeed. That's coming up in June. We can only hope that it won't be virtual and perhaps people can actually go to a venue to uh, participate. But irrespective, one way or the other, it's going to go on. I think it's June the 12th. That's right. June the 12th, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I don't have that information here in front of me. I think that's right. We'll be announcing that. People can watch uh, our webpage, our Facebook page, all those kinds of things. We'll be putting it out there. And, of course, you'll know you can announce it to people and invite them to participate. And we share your hope that it could be in person. Wouldn't that be a novel idea all of a sudden? <laughs> um, we think that'd be refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, the governor says he's going to make decisions to open up the economy based on facts, not fear. Not everybody's doing that, but I hope the uh, Collier commissioners, uh, county commissioners will do it. You know, I always appreciate, uh, Pastor Rick, your commentary here on the show. And again, please go to goflca.com and uh, consider making a contribution because this, this work is important. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a privilege, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Doing a great job, and I hope you'll check out the website, the fga.org thefga.org coming up we're going to visit with dr george markovich orthopedic surgeon right now we have with us seton motley seton is the founder and president of less government seton thank you so much for joining us here on the show good morning sir how are you i'm well seton how are you doing fine thank you hey i really enjoyed your oh first of all tell us about less government what you're all <laughs> yeah, about we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. So, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> so, Seton, your latest column talks about China and the new normal and managed decline. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, we, we saw both parties for decades uh, sell us out in two directions. One, I didn't really get into the second, which is, of course, illegal immigration and immigration, period. Um, obviously, if you're importing more workers... The jobs are going to go, are, you know, the, 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 there's no more jobs when you import more employees. There's just less jobs for Americans when right. you import more employees. And, of course, the wages go down, too. And all the benefits and all of that, because it's a, it's a buyer's market for, for labor. It's not a seller's market. Likewise, when we did all these decades' worth of dumb trade deals, uh, with China specifically, but with a bunch of countries, um, you're, export, you're, you're creating a situation where you're exporting manufacturing jobs and other jobs out of the country to other places. And while that's great for China's uh, development, it's not so great for ours. Um, and we've been doing this for decades and decades. Well, now we've got a situation where we've been funding what is now our number one military and geopolitical enemy, and that's China. Mm -hmm. um, as I said in the piece, we have to reduce. We have to remove the engine that is that is uh, uh, allowing for and continued Chinese ex global expansion, and that's our money. <laughs> because without our money, they can't do anything. Um, the it was interesting before the coronavirus thing. If we can remember back that far, Trump had put little tiny tariffs mm -hmm. on China. And their economy was collapsing. They're, they're almost solely dependent on us, um, even with their expansion in other areas. I mean, they're, they're all over West, uh, East Africa, for example, pulling rare earth minerals and gold and everything out of there and petroleum. Yep. Um, they're basically taking over Australia now. But again, we made all of this possible. And the best time to stop doing that was 40 years ago. The second best time is now. Right. Um, and so we've got to, you know, they now control ports all over the world along the major uh, international trade routes. Um, they, have, they, have, they, have this, they have this plan. It's, it's well known. It's not supposed to be known, but it's well known at this point. There's two of them. There's the Silk Road plan where they're trying to rebuild the old ancient Silk Road, which is now, you know, they've expanded globally, where they're going to go all the way through the world trading, and of course the string of pearls. And each pearl is a port right. along the major trade routes. And what they do is they go into poor countries, they say, hey, we'll finance you a brand new port. And they make the terms so ridiculous the poor country can't pay them, and so they repossess. And they own ports all over Europe. They own ports on both sides of the Panama Canal in Panama. Right. Uh, they own ports. They own a port in California for reasons surpassing understanding. Right. And all of this points to okay, if they're going to control that much of the global trade route, perhaps global trade is even dumber than it was yesterday. Right. And we have to shore up domestic production, certainly of some core key things. We rely, it's amazing how much of our military supply comes from China, which is just dumb. Uh, upwards of 95% of our pharmaceuticals come from China, which is dumb. Right. Um, and of course, food. We import a lot of food from China, and we have a long, you know, uh, litany of examples of their food being tainted uh, you know, unintentionally or intentionally, we don't know. They tainted baby food. They tainted dog food. They tainted uh, vitamins. They sent us our bad vitamins. They sent us bad prescription drugs. They sent us bad regular food, not chi not child food, not baby, food, not dog food, regular human food. Um, 
you know, they've done this over and over and over again. And, of course, the number one commodity we have to keep an eye on is food. Because mm-hmm. before we do anything else, we've got to eat. Yeah. And, and we have been undermining our farmers for a lot of years with trade policies, uh, bad trade policies. Um, and this needs to stop. And, again, in a world where we've proven how fragile the trade, the, the international trade uh, delivery system is. Prescription drugs are up 242%, I believe, since uh, this pandemic started because of the shipping problems. Um, and Amazon, which was a two-day prime delivery machine, is now taking weeks and weeks and weeks to deliver quote-unquote prime items yeah. because of the, you know, the, the, the shattering of the allegedly strong uh, global trade pattern. And so, yeah, we've just got to um, rethink these things and bring certainly core key uh, sectors uh, of production home. And, of course, I argue that none of the the core key sectors is more core and more key than food production. Yeah, I'd like to just mention, and this is slightly off topic, but we went to a high-end grocer. And uh, purchased. I, I I didn't have anything to do with. It. My wife did. Arugula. You bought arugula. No, no. We we bought some uh, organic vegetables. Organic vegetables. <laughs> and uh, in the very small print, they were uh, produced in China. Yes. <laughs> now, what is a, what is the possibility they're really organic? First of all. <laughs> well, no. They're guaranteed to be. You know what organic really means? Yeah, I do. We formed ten thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Before we figured a bunch of crap out that made the food better. <laughs> it's, but anyhow. It's, it's, it's what I say. It's what I say. Camping. You know why we don't camp? You know why I don't camp? Because uh-huh. we invented a bunch of really cool stuff because we all used to camp. And then we invented a bunch of really cool stuff, which means we don't have to camp anymore. Organic food is what we used to do before we figured out science. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, we pay more for stuff we grew 10,000 years ago. You're, you're buying dinosaur vegetation yeah. uh, at, at, at top dollar rates. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's from China. We, again, we have part, people in both parties in D.C. Some, you know, America First congressman puts forward a bill, you know, labeled Made in America or labeling, you know, where it came from. And both parties squashed the legislation. Yeah, you know, Seton, though, I'd just like to underscore the importance of what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right. And it's not only going to get, create a greater, better national security for us. We need to have the, the means of production right here in the United States for pharmaceuticals and so many other issues. And I think what's happened with regard to China and the coronavirus, I think it's dampened their influence in the world. And I think a lot of countries, not just the United States, are starting to make the exactly the same decisions. Well, I- I, w- I wish, except what we saw with the World Health Organization yeah. and Europe rushing to defend the World Health Organization, they're all they're all paid off. We've still got, you know, we've got China mouthpieces on retainer here in K Street, all over the place. Yeah, um, they, they 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 fund the Confucius Institute, which has been around for decades at colleges and universities all over the country. Absolutely, um, you know, they 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 they've embedded themselves like ticks all over the world, and it's, and it's with money, so it's going to be very hard and, to and eradicate you, them. And as you pointed out, not just money, with our money. <laughs> Seton Motley. Yeah, it's all our money. <laughs> Seton Motley. You know, real quick, we're going to go to war with them in 30 years. It'll be the first war in human history where we've one side funded both. Well, that, well, I, I'll point out to you also, I think, personally, that we already are at a low-grade type of war through the... Sure, inter- Cold War, absolutely. But I mean a hot war. Yeah. And they're producing our military equipment. I wonder if that'll continue when we actually go to war with them. Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Visit lessgovernment.org. Seton, always appreciate your very well-informed commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. George Markovich. He's an orthopedic surgeon right here on the Paradise Coast. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House Food Pantry and Grocery Distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed. Curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just listen to the St. Matthew's House commercial, and you know they're open for business now. They have six different businesses, including car washes and all kinds of services, and uh, just encourage you to support St. Matthew's House, really helping the food underserved, the uh, the homeless doing a great job and of course now more than ever they need your help stmatthewshouse.org coming up we're going to visit with a former mayor of naples bill barnett right now we have with us my orthopedic surgeon dr george markovich he replaced i think it's almost to the day about 2006 in may replaced both of my knees and uh, just did a fabulous job he's kind of outstanding and good friend of mine dr george markovich thank you so much for joining us my pleasure bob good morning good morning to you so I've been looking forward to this conversation, and uh, you know you're in the trenches with regard to health care, and I'd just be interested and curious to find out how this has impacted you, your practice, and what your thoughts might be with regard to the response, both from the government from the populace. Well, this story has a lot of threads, and uh, <clears throat> you know, trying to stay into the medical lane, it, it's important that we put things in perspective, and this is a new disease. Uh, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, I think uh, the bottom line is it's been a public policy disaster. Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation. So uh, even though it's a new disease uh, in terms of a coronavirus, um, viruses behave a certain way. And uh, in the biggest, uh, or one summer in the polio epidemic, uh, over 60,000 People died, most under the age of five, mm -hmm. in a very short uh, period. So, you know, we overcame that, and we're looking at numbers now that are very confusing. And in many cases, the attempted treatment was worse than the disease. Yeah. So most people who get COVID-19 or any coronavirus are asymptomatic, and as you know, uh, you know, if you're more likely to get sick, you're more likely to be vulnerable to illnesses and die. And the main treatment should be just trying to boost immune system, which is sleep, nutrition, exercise, managing stress. And a lot of what was done in terms of the response and the information that came out, uh, increased stress. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, it's been challenging as a healthcare provider uh, who, who do their jobs every day, uh, and they do it really well, 
but the numbers are smaller. So the whole emphasis initially was trying to, you know, quote unquote, flatten the curve so the healthcare system wasn't overwhelmed. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Lee County, uh, we had, you know, a little bit over, as of yesterday, uh, 1,100 cases, 49 deaths. Collier County, 656 cases, 25 deaths. Now, in terms of testing and, and things like that, uh, it's important to realize that the tests could either measure antibodies or measure the presence of the virus. Tests, in terms of specificity, uh-huh. how many false positives, if you got a low uh, rate of infection and a 95% specific test, you're going to have almost as many false positives as true positives. So testing would do no good yeah. in that setting. So it's been clear that a lot of things or everything seems political, and the information that's been promulgated has been, uh, you know, difficult to uh, <clears throat> clarify. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, of course, some of the decisions that are being made, being made are so absurd, and we've, we've talked about some of them today on the show. Now, you as an orthopedic surgeon, uh, I would imagine that your surgery was considered non-essential or elective. What was your situation? Correct. We went to emergencies only, and uh, basically the office was a standstill. Uh, and we basically tried to keep people out of the office and, and in a, you know, an environment that they felt more comfortable with, unless they broke bones and, and had true emergencies. Yeah. Uh, and we did extensive screening, and the office was very difficult to manage the last you know, couple of months. Um, and let me just say this about the models that came out, you know, Bob, we, we talk about this Imperial College model. <clears throat> you know, when you go back in time and look at 2009 uh, with, uh, you know, the modeling from the swine flu, it predicted 65,000 people would die. And uh, the final figure was less than 500 in the UK. Yeah. Uh, the bird flu prediction in 2005, the estimation was 200 million the actual total was less than 100,000. So, you know, this modeling, which uh, affected the decision-making that was made, uh, was oftentimes very inaccurate. Yeah. I must say, you know, I'm just thinking back to my own situation where I was in so much pain before I had my knees replaced. You you really doctored me, to shepherded me through this process over a couple of years when I finally said, hey, doc, I can't take the pain anymore. I've got to have, you know, we got to do something. And uh, you did, but uh, I can recall, I would imagine you've got some people who are were waiting for surgery that are in pain, can't sleep, I mean, having to, they really needed the surgery, and yet you could do nothing. And what I would also add is the hospitals were pretty much empty. Correct. And what should have, been done, should have been done is keeping the people who were most at risk away from the people that weren't. Yeah. What they did is this blanket shotgun approach. And, Bob, we have had literally people on the phone crying in agony, mm. trying to get their hip or knee replaced or shoulder uh, problem addressed because they can't sleep. They can't function, yeah. and they are profoundly miserable. And yet we have been unable, as a medical community, to help these people. And now coming online, all these stringent, very onerous things are happening where uh, <clears throat> the rooms have to be cleaned extra. We, you know, Things take more time, effort, mm-hmm. money, and the efficiency is nothing like it's been. So it's going to have wide-ranging implications. Well, I've got to imagine, as an orthopedic surgeon, you've got quite a backlog in terms of patients that are just waiting for the opportunity to get in and get the work done that they need to have done in order to, to become more mobile. Now, I know in my case, it improved my life substantially. I was able to play more golf. I was able to, I can recall decisions. My wife said... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't groan as much as you used to, and I was in such pain. So I can only imagine how grateful people must be at this point to know that somehow, some way, they can get the surgery scheduled. Well, absolutely, Bob. And, and, you know, these things work. It makes a huge difference in quality of life. Interestingly enough, back to the coronavirus, this ventilatory support in terms of intubating patients, getting more intubate, you know, uh, mechanical uh, ventilators available, 
80% of people that were put on ventilators <laughs> died. Yeah. So that wasn't the approach that needed to be done right. and, and in a lot of cases. Some, you know, life-saving, et cetera, but, but mostly placing people prone, giving them supplemental oxygen, and supportive management worked much, much better than more aggressive treatment. In terms of what we do, you know, they're seen once the injections and the medications and therapy and everything else you can do doesn't work anymore. It's a mechanical solution of which we're really, uh, you know, having difficulty uh, keeping up with, especially in light of all this stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate just a couple, before I let you go, a couple comments. Uh, one would be on this uh, six-foot spacing that has been required. Now, I have no doubt that we need to be more careful, more mindful of other people's health and our own. But do coronaviruses jump six feet? It could jump 12 feet, but it doesn't matter. Once people get herd immunity, yeah, uh, and they, you know, uh, if you take care of yourself and you don't have a lot of comorbidities, you just stay away from people that are hacking and coughing and, and be mindful and don't touch your face and wash your hands. There's so many things out there, including coronavirus, that could potentially get you sick, but the immune system does a really good job to, to you know, keep you away from trouble. Yeah. And, and so I think this thing has to pass much like any other virus. I'm going to make a bet with you, Bob. I'll All bet right. you a dollar that no congressman will get... COVID-19 and have a significant problem. A few have tested positive, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that, you know, the data that we know on the, you know, that cruise ship where everybody got tested, older population, uh, and they were kept, you know, in, in a Petri dish for a couple of weeks, a 0.6% uh, fatality rate. Yeah, so I, yeah. I don't think we have to worry about too much other than being reasonably careful. Dr. George Markovich, again, uh, my orthopedic surgeon, I would suggest, and I realize I'm biased, maybe the best orthopedic surgeon on the planet, maybe in the galaxy. <laughs> and he, uh, I would just encourage you, if you have any joint pain or have difficulty, uh, uh, call 482-5399, 482-5399, and make an appointment with Dr. Markovich. Uh, he'll certainly shepherd you through a very good process. 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just point out that uh, Lula Bees is open for business, and she's so happy about that. And I hope if you're looking for breakfast uh, or lunch, it's a great place to go and visit. They've been advertisers with me for years and uh, certainly deserve our support. Lulabee's uh, right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, Right now we have with us former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, hey, Bob, thank you. Um, I'm glad to be here. uh, Things are uh, lightening up a little bit, and... uh, um, people seem to be seem to have a little more pep in their step, and they're they've certainly been anxious to get out now. Whether we're overdoing it or not, that's the question, right? Yeah, I guess it is. But I I know this, and maybe it's me. I'm not sure, but I think people are a little bit more irritable than they used to be. <laughs> uh, oh, there's no doubt about that. Oh, I I it's not just you. No, and I think you know it's like uh, what's the term? Stir crazy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think with even with the governor's first phase here, um, I think it's you know I've definitely seen some more traffic in the last uh, in the last day or two, um, and um, you know there are people that are going back to work. Although a lot of them, a lot of our, a lot of the city employees, I was going to say our, but uh, well I guess it's our as a citizen, um, are still working from home. Yeah. So, um, but you know I, I, I think I think that. As he moves along with the plan, and hopefully it works. Um, and I and I also know about the testing. I mean, doing a lot more testing. Yeah. So I think you'll see more more number. The numbers might go up, but at least I mean, they're going to find out. That does not mean I don't mean to be uh, 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 I use the right word for I'm not taken wrong here, but I don't mean that more people will be dying. And I certainly hope that's not the case. But at least you're going to find out. You know, uh, you get more results, and, and I think with the better data, it helps us along as well. Yeah. You know, uh, we were out to dinner with friends last night, sitting there at the table, and, you know, uh, it was such a good time. We had such a great conversation. The food was fantastic. But, you know, just a taste of what it used to be, getting back to normal again, I think it's, uh, I think, you know, we're social animals. We're meant to spend time together, and we've been isolated and separated for, for a period of time now. I think it's, it's going to be healthy for the entire nation. Well, uh, yeah, I agree, and, you know, the, the states that haven't, you know, and there are states, you know, that where the governors are still pretty holding pretty firm. Yeah. It could be because of the results, and I understand that. Yeah. I mean, our summer plans, uh, um, I know you, you guys go, well, you do your cruises, so forget that, right? Yeah. For the time being. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we go upstate, uh, we go to, to, to Buffalo, um, you know, just south of Buffalo, and, we're on hold. We have a place. We, we, you know, I've got a deposit and everything. But hey, we can't. You know, I'm just uh, the landlord. Of course, is really nice about it. And you know, she said we're just going to put everything on hold because uh, unless that state has opened up, you know, uh, I don't mind the social distancing at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can always keep that as far as I'm concerned. But you know, if things aren't open, um, if they're doing still doing a lot of the spacing out and. Uh, you know, the distances in restaurants, and um, I, we just don't know if we're going to go or not. Yeah. I'd be better, better off right here. Well, that, it, it, see, and the question is, well, what's the line of making the facts versus the fear type of thing? And fear certainly has to play a role in it because none of us want to get sick. None of us want to, you know, have difficulty breathing and so forth. So there is that aspect to it, but, you know, um, life is risky. You got sometimes you got to do. <laughs> so what's what's going on in the city? I think there was a city council oh, yeah. meeting. So, no, well they've had quite a few meetings. So, um, but yesterday was really interesting. I, I I pretty much watched the whole thing. So what they want to do and they're trying to do is if you are a restaurant owner down there on Fifth Avenue South mm-hmm. and you don't have outdoor dining, okay, uh-huh. they're going to put a temporary use permit so that you can have outdoor dining. They're going to let you put tables out front. They're going to, they're trying to expand so that the, uh, the stores can have, uh, have special sales on the sidewalk. They're going to do some things that has never been done uh, down there, and they're going to, re- you know, relax the standards, so to speak, okay? It was a long meeting yesterday, and, and it was a little bit confusing, but that's their goal, and they want to get this done, like, within a week. Okay, so that every restaurant down there, they want to support the 
the local businesses and the stores and saying, hey, you know, we've got to do this. Um, with that, there are some complications that they have to work through. Yeah. Um, and the, the, my only thought watching this yesterday, Bob, was the fact that, look, we're, we're opening wide, up, wide open, okay? Um, obviously, the governor's plan is in effect, so that the, the 25% rules in effect, et cetera, but you're, you're opening everything wide up and you're inviting people to come to Naples, Florida, um, and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about, uh, especially with our beaches being, being as open as they are, there's no restrictions, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, that's great. Yeah. But those that have beaches that are closed, like Broward County and, and Dade and whatever, um, you're, you're we're just opening our, our arms to them and saying, hey, drive on over here, we've got everything, we've got all our restaurants open, we've got sales going on uh, for, for our merchants who can hang out at the beach. Uh, I, I have a little angst about that, yeah, I'll no. tell you that. You know, that's well-founded because, uh, as I understand it, uh, we haven't been over to Broward County in, in quite a while or Palm Beach County, but my understanding is everybody's wearing masks, which uh, yep. uh, everybody's, you know, there's it's a, it's a different situation over there. And, of course, the governor's not given them stage one opening at all because of their situation. So you're, you're right. right. I mean, we're, we're an attractive place for people to come. Hopefully, hopefully uh, they'll make good decisions, not only for themselves but for us. Well... That, that's a big hopefully. You know, I understand we have to support our own businesses and our own merchants. I mean, you know, in, dress, in restaurants, for sure. Um, and I'm all for that. I'm the biggest fan they have. But um, uh, this one's going to be this one's going to be questionable at best. And as I say, they had all you know the best made plans, so to speak. But let's see what happens. They, yeah. They've got some work to do. Well, I'll say um, this: uh, back to facts versus fear. Uh, the uh, I've talked to restaurant owners, and most of them are saying that you know what? Usually, our business during the off season is about twenty five percent of the of of capacity. So, right. so I mean, I'm not even sure that this kind of reaction is necessary because uh, they've got you know doing the distancing and maybe a few seats outside, they'll be fine. Well, um, you know, there's there's of course a lot of mixed mixed opinions on that, and I, I will um, I will tell you that. Um, uh, the idea sounds great, um, and as the uh, some of the restaurants aren't even open yet. I know Skip Quillen, who from Yaba and uh, Pazzo and Chops, he told me the other day that he's going to wait until Friday to open up. There, he's just taking easy. But I'll tell you what, Monday night, Bob, Fifth Avenue South was jumping. Was it really? I mean, you think, yeah, you think it was the middle of the season. They had live music. They had, I mean. Don't ask me where that came from or whatever they were doing, but boy, they were having a great time. People, like you said, people just wanted to get out, and they did. Yeah, it's just great stuff. Again, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, still wish he had the job, quite frankly, Bill. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking, Bob. Me too, but you know what? I'm staying involved. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it as it falls, and you and I will. I'll keep talking politics with you because we're going to be following them pretty closely. Absolutely. Again, Mayor Bill Barnett, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Have a great day. Take you, care. Bye. You as well. Thank you. Uh, he'll always be the mayor to me, quite frankly. He's just been a, a great friend and, of course, been involved in, in uh, politics, in uh, elected office for the last 25 years. Uh, the mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, I'll never forget seeing him on the news uh, as we were having the hurricanes back in the day. He was a, a national figure at the time. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow... We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Van Ellison is the uh, president and CEO of St. Matthew's House. and really want to support him and his efforts. Uh, got a, just an amazing organization. Take no government money and do great things for the homeless and those who are food insecure, as they say, using the phrase. We'll have with us uh, Byron Donalds. He is a candidate for U.S. Congress and current uh, State House representative. And Dave Bigo will be joining us. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, uh, uh, the story of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years. Amazing story. Uh, always appreciate your feedback here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, I send out now a, a daily newsletter after the show. And if you'd like to get on the list, again, send me an email, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs>
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.